bottom of the first inning. The Dodgers failed to score. We'll set them defensively. Left-hander Tommy John on the mound and Steve Yeager behind the plate. An infield of Steve Garvey and Davey Lopes, Bill Russell and Jerry Royster, and an outfield of Vaughn Joshua, Tom Pishorek, and Bill Buckner. Tommy John, who has already exceeded his high in the big leagues when he won his 15, he had won 14 twice in the American League with the Chicago White Sox. Tommy now trying to finish up with a flourish and win his 16. Tommy is 15 and 7. He's 1 and 1 with San Diego this year. He combined with George Culver way back in the first couple of games. Great Tommy John. I, I got to tell you, Tommy, I, I, uh, I'm really concerned about con- uh, talking with you because of, of, of one main reason, and that is I like to make these just conversations and not so much interviews, you know, question, answer, question, right. answer. Yeah. Just like to be able to chat. And uh, the thing is, you're, you're, you're so famous for two reasons. There's no way to avoid asking you questions that you've answered a hundred times or more, uh, you know, probably since you first got into baseball. So I'll try to make kind of quick work of that stuff. What I'm trying to get is a, just a sense of you and your life and how things are going. And you look terrific. I wish I could move a little better than how I look. Uh, in 2020, December of 2020, my wife, Cheryl, and I both got COVID. Um, she had it pretty bad, and I had it real bad. Really? I had, I, I had two massive blood clots in my lung lungs and they had to go in and break those up then i got bladder cancer oh then i got a thing called guillain barre syndrome i'm familiar with that my which is um i was paralyzed my waist down for like eight nine months and i still can't walk i mean i can hobble and i can uh, walk with a walker or walk with help but um we're trying to get it to where I, you know, I'm, I'm good. And, um, but if that's what the good Lord wants me to do, then I'll be, that's what I do. Well, you gotta, you gotta do it any way you can get to it. But I, I think I, I I would think, I mean, what you're talking about is uh, circumstances that would be very hard or devastating to all of us, really hard to overcome. (laughs) And yet, and and maybe so much worse for you as a uh, former professional athlete and somebody who's always been in top-notch condition and your body has always done everything you've asked of it and then some, right? <laughs> He's posing now. Um, all I want all I want to do is and I tell my physical therapist this, I just want to get strong enough to where I can play golf, nine holes play with my wife, and if we want to play one day a week, two, three days a week, whatever, I just want to go out and play golf with her. I don't want to play any tournaments or any of that stuff. Just play golf with her, and I'd be a happy camper. Well, that's good to hear. So uh, you and Cheryl went to Canton, Ohio recently. Like yeah, last week as we're talking about, did they let you into that Hall of Fame there, the National, the NFL? No, that's the Pro Football Hall. Of Fame. I know that. I know. And I, I was I just wondering if they let many, you into that. Yeah, I missed too <laughs> many extra points on my ticket. <laughs> what were you doing there? Is that something to do with the uh, the Thurman Munson? Yeah, Thurman the, is from, or I, I guess he's still from Canton. Um, 
but they have a Thurman Munson uh, dinner that they raise money for kids scholarship. And, um, you know, and then it's a thing to try to get him, try to get people on the express to get him into the hall of fame. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that would be great if, if they could do that. But, uh, I know that the hall of fame people, uh, you know, he only played nine years. And the people that vote on that, I know they get a little sticky at times. But uh, I would do whatever I could do to get him in because he's the best catcher I ever threw to. And I only threw to him part of one season, 1979, because he died August 2nd yeah. in 1979 when his plane crashed, landing at the uh, Canton Akron Canton Airport. What made him such a special catcher for you? Was very intelligent. And if you had a guy on first base that stole, the ball didn't have to be right here so he could throw from there. If it was low and away, which mine usually were sinking, he would get it and throw underhanded, sidearm, whatever it took to get the guy out at second base. And um, one day I was pitching, starting out, and wasn't throwing the ball great. He said, boy, your fastball sucks. And he <laughs> said, um, let's just go with your curveball and use your fastball like we would use your curveball. And he said, you know, then as we get farther in the game, maybe it will perk up. And so I pitched curveball was my main pitch. Fastball was my secondary pitch. And about the sixth inning or so, all of a sudden, my fastball started to come back. My curveball was there, and I pitched, I don't know, eight, nine innings. But he was smart at recognizing that and figuring out what I had to do to win. That's great. Yeah. It, I, I, remember, uh, I remember watching you pitch. I'm I'm a few years younger than you, but not that much. I'm I'm about to turn seventy-one, and uh, I used to see you uh, whenever you played when you were playing with the Dodgers and uh, came to Candlestick Park, and because uh, I was an I was a Sacramento boy and I I was a Giants fan, and you know, well, we, yeah, and and you should be Giants fans in the sixties, seventies. Uh, we we yeah. uh, there were two things. One was that. Uh, we hated the Dodgers more than we loved the Giants. Even absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and those were special days, man. My teams had had Mays and McCovey and Orlando Cepeda and Marichal and those guys. And your teams were filled with all stars. And I remember seeing games. I try to tell people this now, but unfortunately, so many are so young they don't even know the names I'm talking about. But I want to go out and watch watch uh, Koufax and and Drysdale and you. And Johnny Padres and, and so many. Claude Osteen. Claude Osteen. Absolutely. I yeah. used to go out and go out for batting practice and watch the, uh, the, the ground crew, uh, turn first base into a swamp for Maury Wills. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That was a special time, at least in my heart, because I was very young, but, and I was a baseball player. Seriously, just to be able to talk to you was a real big thing for me. Um, so you grew up in Sacramento. Yeah. 
Wasn't that where Dusty Baker was from? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I used to see Dusty. Yeah. I saw Dusty before he became a pro. He was, uh, he was playing in a, uh, a recreational league that was somewhere between, somewhere between, uh, high school and, and low pros, I guess. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was a big star there from Del Campo High School. He was one of, uh, my teammates with the Dodgers when I was there. And, um, he was, uh, he was quite a guy. Good competitor, played hard, didn't want anything in return. Just let's win. Yeah, good guy is the way is the way oh, I remember. Great guy, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. great guy. And it's good to see he's still in the game, right? He's still managing somewhere. He's managing he? somewhere. I forget where. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know that you played for a long time. You played for twenty six years, twenty six seasons yes. in the majors. Twenty six seasons, yeah. And there's only one guy that pitched more than me, Nolan Ryan. Yeah. You were talking about getting Thurman Munson into the Hall of Fame. For some reason, you haven't gotten you into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> but but what is it? You you have the third most wins with 288 for a career of any pitcher since 1900 who's not in the Hall of Fame. You were known for longevity. You were, you know, you were, right. you were, uh, uh, it, uh, explain that to me if you can. Explain why I'm not in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> yeah, if you don't mind. And does that bother you? I have you? no idea. I, no. You know, when I was a little boy growing up in Terre Haute, Indiana, my dad said, Tom, don't worry about things. Don't fret about things you cannot control. I can't control this, so yeah. I'm not fretting about. It. As I said, uh, you know, like like uh, most young men my age, when I was a teenager, I played uh, I played baseball until I guess I was about eighteen or nineteen. But uh, you know, we all had those dreams in those days of going into a professional ball and being, sure. being a major league player. But you know, we also understood that uh, there were. <laughs> I don't remember what the percentage of of young baseball players is that go to the majors, but uh, it's extremely small. You have to be really something. And that means to me that you were growing up as a kid uh, being a really special player. At what point did you realize that you're, hey, I may be, I may have it. I may be good enough to go into the majors. Uh, When I was about a junior, senior in high school, um, Scouts were coming, watching me pitch every game uh, during high school ball, during summer American Legion ball. And, uh, you know, when they start looking at you, you start thinking, hmm, maybe. But here's the thing. I had 50 scholarship offers to play basketball in college. Really? Wow. I had, I had one in baseball. <laughs> so, so what does that tell you? Uh, and had I, had I gone to college, I would have taken the baseball scholarship at the University of Illinois, and I would have been a freshman. And in my sophomore year, they would have had another freshman coming in, and his name was Ken Holtzman. So Holtzman and I would have been the uh, two of the pitchers uh, on that team, and then Illinois was going to let me try out to play basketball 
And, you know, when you come from Indiana, uh, you're a Hoosier. You're a Hoosier and you're a basketball person. Yeah. If you don't play basketball, uh, it's like saying that you love Gavin Newsom. <laughs> Little politics there slipping in the conversation. So, but you went baseball. I went baseball. I signed with the Cleveland Indians about 10 days after I graduated high school. And the rest is history. Did you play in the minors? Oh, yeah. I started out, I, I signed in uh, June of 61, and I played in that beautiful resort city on the Mississippi River called Dubuque, Iowa. Wow. And um, they, when I. What level there, ball was that? D ball. D. Wow. D, class D, the lowest yeah. you could go. Yeah. Uh, the general manager of the ball club got me a, a room with, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. He was a little Jewish guy. He and his wife had a, an extra bedroom that they charged uh, $5 a day. And I gave him $5 a day and I slept, used the bathroom, shaved, showered, uh, had breakfast with him. And, um, go to the ballpark and play in the evening, come back home and, um, you know, stay up for a bit, go to bed, get up the next day. That's what I did in 61, 62. They sent me up to Charleston, West Virginia. At this in, point, you're about what? 18, 19 years old, 20 18 years old. Yeah. Okay. 18 years old. Yeah. And, um, because I was born in 1943. So 18 would put me at 61, 19 at 62, 20 at 2003, or 73, whatever it is. But um, minor league ball back then was a whole lot different than it is now. You had guys that were managers and um, – you just, you had to play. You had to play and you had to play better the next time out than you did this time. And if you didn't and you did it enough times, then you've got your ticket on your way back to your home. And fortunately for me, I pitched well enough every time out or better that um, they, uh, they let me stay around. So you went uh, went up to the Indians. And- went up to the Indians in uh, 1963 at the end of the season. That's got to be an unbelievable thrill after working so hard and actually getting oh, that call. It. The manager called me into his office and he said, at the end of the season, the Indians are going to call you up. Okay. All right. You know. All right, going, this is great. A little quicker than what I thought it was going to be. Okay. So I got I got up to the big big leagues, and I hung out with the guys that I knew, and the guys that I didn't know. I just uh, made sure that they knew who I was, and 
I pitched. If I got a chance, I pitched out of the bullpen. I started, and I think I was 0-2 in 63 in the two games I started. Mm. Uh, then in uh, 64, I pitched in the big leagues, and my first win was I, I beat Baltimore, shut them out, the second game of a doubleheader, and I beat my childhood idol, Robin Roberts. Wow. <laughs> I pitched nine innings through a two-hit shutout. I threw 72 pitches in an hour and 30 minutes. That's that's some working. That's some efficient that's work. I, that's the way I pitched back then. I, I got the ball, boom. Got it through. I, I didn't go through all this stuff of looking at the catcher and going through signs. I only threw two pitches. Yeah. I threw a fastball and a curveball. And when I quit in 1989, I was working on my third pitch. Which was what? Change up. Oh, <laughs> you're working on a change up. And at that point, you're what, 45 years old or something? 46. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Stayed a long time. I'm sorry. I <laughs> lost my, I lost my train of thought because of something you said. It made me think about, uh, and this is something I've thought about so many times. Uh, you know, as a, as a kid that grew up loving baseball and playing every year, I'm going to get a little poetic here. Every year uh, around February, Again, I was in Northern California, so the weather wasn't bad. Weather was always good. We had a lot of uh, major league players that came out of that area. And every year around February, I start to get that itch. I want to go yeah. take my glove out of the closet, uh-huh. you know, oil it up a little bit, find my cleats, and and get ready to go out there in the in that you know chilly weather with the little March breeze and those fluffy white clouds blowing overhead. Uh-huh. I want to grab a bat and I want to get going. And to this day, that happens to me every spring. Every early spring. That's They're why just, baseball's the king of the sports. Well, it sure was for me. And the game has changed so much. I don't Oh my God. Oh my God. I don't even watch baseball anymore. I don't I don't I, I don't watch it. I don't watch major league ball. It's just too much. Um I will go watch I will go watch a high school game. I'll go watch a little league game. And we have a we have a triple A team here in uh, in the Dallas area. That I probably ought to go see, but uh, I haven't gotten around to it yet. But, oh, you're in Dallas now? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Dallas. So we've got the Texas Rangers, which I've seen a few times. Yeah. But, um, but the the thing the thing that gets me, and you talked about it just a moment ago. You said that uh, in that game against the Orioles, you beat Robin Roberts and you pitched nine innings. Yeah, I said nobody pitches nine innings anymore. And I don't know how you feel about this. Maybe maybe it's contrary to uh, what I would think would be. Uh, natural way of looking at it say so every time i read about a uh, a team pitching a no hitter with four pitchers i just it just <laughs> i just go cold <laughs> oh god please i know it's that's that's why managers manage because they do this stuff to let people know that they're in the dugout 
Just I, play you know, the game. I, well, I mean, I guess, and the explanation I've heard is that they've got, you know, so many millions of dollars invested in all of these arms, they just don't want to wear them out. And I just keep thinking about the integrity of the game and the all of the all of the famous the famous pitchers of all time who would go out there. Who was it? It was like a guy named Iron Man Joe McGinnity. Who McGinn, yeah. He he would pitch both games of a doubleheader. And that wasn't why he was called Iron Man, by the way. He was called Iron Man because in the offseason he had to have a job and he was working in an iron smelting factory. But you know, I I, I just don't understand how if you're a pitcher and you're pitching a no hitter, and they say, "Okay, you've uh, you've thrown a hundred pitches. We need you to sit down now." Don't you don't you object to that? Well, if I was pitching a no hitter, and the manager came up to me and said, "Tommy, you've thrown your hundred pitches. You're done." There'd be a fist fight. <laughs> There'd be a fist fight. Hey, I got a couple of questions for you. Throw about, out about about the uh, the mechanics of throwing. Yep, I was an outfielder most of the time. Yep, and from center field, from straightaway center field, I could uh, I could I could hit home plate on a bounce going through the yeah. cutoff. Man, it popped. Yeah, and yet, a few times I tried to pitch, I could not throw a fastball. How am I able to throw that hard and not fast? Well, if you throw the ball from center field to home plate, and you have to throw it hard, yeah. you threw it fast. That's what I mean, but I, I guess it took yeah. a little while to get up to speed, right? Because 60 feet, 6 inches wasn't good enough. <laughs> now, the, your ball, as soon as you let go of the ball, it starts losing speed. Microscopically, yeah. it starts losing speed. And uh, so you, I, you've got to, if, if you throw it that far, you're throwing it hard. You're throwing it hard. That I that I guarantee you. Maybe it was the running start or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right, one other one other baseball question. Sure. Why can't pitchers hit? Because they don't practice. Right. And why not? Because they want them to pitch. No, I understand. And you're only going to pitch every four days, like in your age. Or, or, and or you're not going to hit because you got the DH now right. in both legs. Yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. But I could never understand, you know, you're you're a professional athlete. You you yeah. guys I had are, five home runs. Yeah. In the major leagues, yeah. yeah and I was, didn't take steroids. If I would have taken the roids, I, I might have had six. Yeah. <laughs> I just never never really understood that. So uh you have a son who not only has your name, but he also played ball. Yes. And and uh took an interest in uh, orthopedic and chiropractic problems and is now in, uh, he's a doctor in, in practice. Uh, that's, that's really something you talk about, you know, somebody following your footsteps. Sounds like he did it the whole way. He did. And he, uh, if, if I were a father and I had a pitcher, I would have that kid out there with Tommy and have Tommy working with him on his strength and flexibility and all that because he knows what he's talking about. Is that like he should be a major league trainer? No, you don't be, be a trainer. All right, so let, let's let's talk a little bit about your surgery. Yeah, uh, it seems to me like it would be a little bit annoying to have been a 
a truly great major league player and to be remembered most of all by most people for a surgical <laughs> procedure named after you. <laughs> that doesn't bother me a bit. Tell me about Not Frank Job. Tell me about Dr. Uh, Job. How'd you meet him? He was a Dodger doctor. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was the Dodger orthopedic. And, um, you know, he operated on me in 1972 to take bone chips out of my elbow. And um, when we were talking about Tommy John surgery, he talked to me like a father to a son. His big thing was not, we're going to do this and you're going to come back. He said, you probably won't come back. So that being said, do you have the wherewithal to do, to take care of your family? Can you take, because my wife was pregnant with our first child. In fact, our first child was born two days after I had the surgery. And he was worried about if I could take care of my family. He didn't care about if I was going to pitch again or whatever. Can you take care of your family? Can you take care of your family? And my thing to him was, Dr. Joe, if you do your job, I will more than do my job, which is rehab. If it takes one year, it'll take one year. If it takes two, it'll take two. If it takes three, take three. If it takes more than three, I'm done. I'm home. Wow. I said, but I, I will work my fanny off to get back because I want to pitch again. Yeah. I said, I want to pitch again. What was it that uh, that got your elbow into that uh, place Wearing where you? Tear. Yeah, Wearing but, tear. I, I I read someplace, and this just may have been just you know goofy writing or something that that uh, the your pitching mechanics, uh, your, no, your, your arm, no. no, 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 that was Mike Marshall said that, and oh. he is so effing wrong. No, did not. My yeah, mechanic. Was, the, the idea was that that your your body came forward and your your arm no. trailed behind. No. So no. no, 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 no. All right. No. But I heard the same thing. No, it did. My mechanics were spot on. How about your curve? Was the was the curve part of the wear of tear? I guess curve. So. If you throw a curveball, it's the same as throwing a fastball. You, you get to the point and then you pull down. You get to your fastball and you get and you pull down. It's the same thing. You pull down only a curveball. You're letting it come off your fingers spinning downward and a fastball. It's spinning backwards. That's, that's the total difference in a fastball and a curveball, but they're throwing the same way. It always seemed to me that a screwball would be much, much more. Uh... Uh, much You're talking harder. about a screwball pitch and yeah. not a screwball pitcher. Right. Yeah. Uh, turning the ball the other way, turning it inward instead of outward. But your hand does that. As you throw a ball, your hand comes inside. Every time you throw it, your hand does that. Yeah. So throw, actually throwing a screwball is probably pr- pretty much throwing a fastball. You know, but you have all these geniuses are out there talking about how to do certain things, what to do this. Um, I know I read articles that Mike Marshall said he went to the trainers and said, let me work with Tommy and I'll get him to where he, I wouldn't want to throw like Mike. He was a pretty good pitcher. 
for the talent that he had. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. So uh, now, what are you doing these days? After your career ended, what did you do? I mean, uh-oh. I I wanted to be a Steve Bean. <laughs> you wanted to be a Steve Bean. You you wanted to be an old burned out disc jockey before you were fifty. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. Uh, no, I I did broadcasting. Um, I I did some baseball schools. I you know now I just sit back and. In fact, I'm watching the British Open now um, from uh, St. Andrews. Ever been over there? No, no. And at my age, I'm 79. I doubt if I'll be going. Well, you're a remarkable man. You're. I am, aren't I? (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) I talked with you once before, but it was... It was right after uh, Dr. Job passed. And uh, again, Steve Beam hooked me up with you and uh, wanted to talk to you about Dr. Job. And that was, you know, I do. You know who Beamer looks like? Uh, Albert Einstein. Yeah, yeah. My wife said that just the other day. His new Facebook picture is up there. He looks like a skinny Einstein. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, please. All right. I'm going to let you get on with your day. Again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Bye. Bye.